Welcome to the 126th edition of the Guna Podcast. This is your host, David Udo, and we are recording on the Monday evening after Arsenal's 4-1 victory over Sunderland and ahead of next weekend's visit to Stoke City. So, as traditional, the panel introductions. And for the regulars this month, we will keep it brief. So, first up, it's hello to the man behind the spy column in the printed issue of the Guna, Mr Steve Ashford. Hello everybody. Next up, here for the fourth consecutive month in a row, but not a victim of any rotation policy at Guna Towers. Basti to his friends, it's good evening to the irrepressible Mustafa Goldstein. Hello, and uh, I wish you a lot of mental strength. And last but not least, a first-time guest who warrants a proper introduction. (coughs) Cough, get get this proper, get this proper. A founder member of Red Action. He received a short-term ban from home matches for displaying a banner describing Samir Nasri as a little whore in French. On the first occasion, the former gunner returned to Arsenal after his move to Manchester City. However, relationships have improved with the club to the extent that Arsenal worked with Red Action's idea to stage the card display that welcomed the team for last week's match against Bayern Munich, which proved a great success. So, here to talk about that and more, it's a very warm Guna podcast welcome to Mr Raymond Hurley. Hello, thanks for having me on and I still stand by my Nasri comments. <laughs> I, I, I can't think anything but sheer correctness when I think of that, but we'll come back to that later. At the moment, let's talk about the Champions League itself. And firstly, Raymond, give us some background behind the card display and the challenge of getting enough fans in their seats before the teams came out to see it. Well, the, the club uh, basically gave us the, the thumbs up a couple of months ago, so from then it was just uh, absolutely hammering social media and, and all the Arsenal contacts we could think of to promote as much as possible um, Arsenal fans changing their match night routine and getting in the ground 10 minutes earlier than normal so trying to get people to leave work a little bit earlier one less uh, drink in a pub an earlier train, something like that just to get people in their seats um, and we think it had some good success so thanks everybody who helped us promote that um, like uh, I, I don't know about you I mean I was really looking forward to it and I made sure that I was in there by about 20 past 7 because I've got a weird superstition thing about watching goalkeepers warm up but anyway I was there but going into the ground I was panicking that people were, beca- were going to be coming in 5 minutes after kick off that kind of thing was part of you worried that people were going to be complete gits I was extremely worried <laughs> extremely worried I was watching the ground filling up slowly from about 7.20 7.25 mm. um, but I think it helped that uh, the teams I think were a couple of minutes late coming out which really helped um, and then just all of a sudden especially in the lower tier there was a big rush just from about seven just after half seven and between 740 there was a big rush and a lot of people got in there got in their spaces so it actually happened a couple of minutes earlier people were so excited and so enthusiastic to hold their cards in the air it actually started a bit earlier than normal and it went really really well and the feedback has been great since I think it's very, very well deserved. I mean, I, I've obviously been a season ticket holder for God knows how long, but um, I mean, when we, we moved to the ground, I mean, there wasn't much of an atmosphere at all. And I can think off the top of my head, the, the very, very few occasions, there was a huge atmosphere and everyone getting behind the team. And for the opening, well, up until the Chesney incident where, when he left, um, every time we got the ball, all 57,000 Arsenal fans were urging them forward. And at one point, I actually saw Meza Ozil run. I don't see that very often. It was great. Ed, look, talking about the game itself, starting on my left, Basti, Mr Goldstein, do you think there was enough in the period when it was 11 versus 11 to make you think Arsenal can overturn the 2-0 deficit in Germany? Shaking his head before I finish the question. To say definitely. It was, a, it was one of those head shakes that says definitely. Okay. Um, I thought we looked great at the beginning. I thought until, until the penalty, 
um, we we were looking pretty good, um, and I thought you know they were they were having a little bit of you know obviously they're Bayern Munich so they're going to have a bit of the ball aren't they? But um, I thought we looked really really I thought we were going to have them. I thought this was this was our day and we're going to we're going to beat them. We, we looked confident. We, we were attacking. We were making opportunities, and then you know get a penalty. And when Özil stood up to take it, I just thought. He's the one who was fouled, and I remember there used to be a thing of like. You know, Henri had that thing. He had that thing, yeah. and I just thought I just had a feeling. I thought, oh, okay. but then I thought, of course, you know, okay, please, it, uh, it, you know, I don't have to tell anyone what the penalty was like. I mean, it was just, it was as though he was trying to work out what Neuer was thinking. But for listeners who are worried about this noise in the background, it's the rain on our little um, roof. Uh, for the ones of doubt, we're not in Abbey Road Studios as we used to be for the Guna podcast. And, and, and we do have a roof. We, we, <laughs> we have a corrugated iron roof with rain pouring down on it. Um, it's a bit like the North Bank. We're actually in the old North Bank. That's just a very good point, actually. Not yeah. far away, actually, this is. <laughs> oh. Stephen, what were your thoughts about the game? I mean, um, let's face it, Bayern Munich have made um, a Scottish Premier League of the Bundesliga. I think they've already won it. Um, I think this afternoon Jurgen Klopp's given up on behalf of Borussia Dortmund and Arsenal, who you know dropped their only centre forward to play the missing Yaya Sonogo. Yaya, it's glad to see you are alive. We've been worrying about you for the last six months. Um, but I mean, I've, and, until the penalty, were you thinking, bloody hell, I don't know who this Arsenal is, but they could beat anyone? Oh, absolutely. Even before the game, I was really, really up for it before the game. I was thinking we're going to do this. Mm. And as you say about the the, the the Scottish League, the Celtic being so far ahead. I mean, I actually phoned up a mate and said we're playing the, the German Celtic tonight. When they, when they play a real team that plays Man United, Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Everton every week, mm. you know, unlike German, you know, mid-table teams and stuff. Yeah, sure. I thought we, we're going to give them a game. They're going to they're going to find out what it's like to play a real team. And for the first fifteen minutes, that was the case. I think it all went wrong when Ozil missed the penalty, and when it, when he shaped up to take it, I thought, why Ozil? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm me and 57,000 others. Yeah. I mean, after that Marseille penalty, I would never have let him take it in a month of Sundays. Absolutely. Uh, it was a shame Arteta wasn't on the pitch because he would have scored. And I think if we'd have scored that penalty, it would have been a totally different game. Mm. You could see our heads just went down the minute that penalty went in. They, they, were, you know, they rose their game. It gave them confidence. They just thought, oh, luck's on our side. You know, you know, let's go. Let's let's make sure that doesn't happen again. Our heads went down. Oswald's head went down. And from then on, the rest is yeah, history. But if we'd have made it to half-time, which we actually almost did because they missed their penalty, yeah. uh, and if it wasn't for that silly red card, obviously, with 11 men, I think we would have at least got a draw out of it. Yeah, I think so. You know, and and I, I don't think been... that was ever a sending-off either with, with Chesney. I mean, the, the people say definite sending-off. I don't agree. Mm. He, wasn't, he didn't deliberately bring the guy down. No. It wasn't a goal-storing opportunity. It wasn't. Uh, it, it did, did, there was no malice in that in that tackle whatsoever. He was going for the ball, took his eye off it. He hit Robin by mistake. It was a penalty, maybe a booking, but a sending off, no way, and it ruined the game. Mm. Ruined the game. What are you thinking, Raymond? Um, if if this, that, and the other, would it have gone another way? I think for the first the, the first thirty forty minutes, we, we more than matched them, but we'll never know. That's football. We had a player sent off, and the whole thing changed, and we'll never know whether we might have scraped a narrow home win or, or got a draw out of it or kept them from scoring mm. we'll just never know I do think that that free kick right at the end you know and we went to score a goal when really if we'd have just kept possession which we weren't doing at all we weren't mm. managing to get hold of it let alone keep possession but if we'd have just kept a couple of minutes of possession 
instead of just hoofing it up there and then all having a run back you have to ask if we'd have one 1-0 would have been a, if a, we'd have finished you know, at 1-0 I think mm. we'd have had a chance. I agree. I, I, I'll give I'll give Wenger his due. Actually, I mean, people are very very critical of him for, for whatever reason. But as soon as we got that free kick, I remember him standing on the edge of the box with his hands going up and down to say, "Calm down." Calm. Of course, Florence Koscielny seems to think, you know, bless him. Uh, I'm going to score a winner on my own, yeah. and he, he was about five yards further forward than any other, any other Arsenal player. Unfortunately, Neuer is the best goalkeeper in the world. Grabbed the uh, the ball out of there and checkmate in about two minutes. But yeah. I mean, looking at the team though, uh, Basti. Um, Yoyo Sonogo, I have jokingly called for his, his, his survival, um, you know, to prove that he's alive for the last five months because he's gone missing. And out of nowhere, he starts in an FA Cup game against Liverpool, which is one thing, FA Cup, we play our reserves. Three days later, we'll play against the best team in the world, probably, uh, at home, and you decide to drop the French international striker, who's been your uh, only centre forward for the entire season, and keep that unknown 19-year-old. Was, was Wenger right to drop Olivier Giroud for the first leg? Well, the break seems to have done him good because he's turned up and popped in a couple of rather good goals. Mm. Uh, I, I think, obviously, you know, Wenger's super sensitive with all his players, and if a player goes through something, including front-page headlines of Irish tabloids or whatever, mm. uh, and, and what allegedly happened, then um, he's going to say, look, uh, take a couple of days off and uh, put your feet up and come back refreshed, which mm. he's done. And he's come back. Hopefully the same will happen to Ozil, um, although, albeit breaking news of whatever has happened there. Yeah. Um, but uh, hopefully, um, sometimes, you know, players need a little rest. I think certainly in the case of Ozil, he's... he's um, I can't say he's used to a winter break all the time because he's playing in Madrid. But yeah, but um, there was a winter break in, in Spain as well as Germany. I think. Is there? I think so. Well, in that case, maybe you know, maybe maybe that you know, I don't know. Maybe there's just a point where the legs get tired. And also, don't forget players who are used to a pace like you know when Dennis came, when Henri came. You know, there was a point where they they break in their stride into the Premiership and the kind of the you know raucous physical pace of it. Mm. Um, and maybe Ozil, you know, after a bright start, his form's dipped. Maybe just needs a little break. Um, come back. He's, look, he's a class player. He's a good player. There's no question about that. And that he's not pulling his weight. And and people say he looks lazy and stuff. But they, I looked at the stats of um, one of his games recently, and he he ran more miles than any other player on the pitch. That was a minute game. Yeah. yeah. That was so minute game. so you know maybe he, he's one of those players that looks like he's not doing much, but probably is. So mm. you know, Gilberto was like that. We've always had look the players who. They, they seem to disappear, but then when they're gone, it's like, oh my God, where have mm. they gone? You know. So the thing is, I mean, you mentioned it. It would have been. It's nice in the sense that he was given a rest for like uh, for a couple of days. But let's face it, he was on the bench for both games. So I mean, there's a rest and there's a rest. So I mean, Steve, the, the player had female company in his hotel room at three o'clock on the day Arsenal defeated Crystal Palace. As far as Wenger's concerned, does carnal knowledge, sorry, carnal activity before a game affect your ability to score outside of a Docklands hotel? Oh my God. What a good question! <coughs> I don't think it does, to be honest. But it was three in the morning. Yes, I don't think they might have finished I don't by think, six. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think shagging before a match mm. would, uh, would affect anyone's performance. There's a big thing about that. There's a big thing about that in the seventies and eighties. You know, they, they used to keep players away from their wives and girlfriends before a match. Well, I read in um, yeah. Arsenal, the making of a modern super club by uh, Alex Flynn and Kevin Witcher, that um, pornography was actually banned in hotel rooms for about three or four. Yeah, years. I saw that. I don't. I don't see why why that is. But, but, but three o'clock in the morning, and you know this kind of all night romp kind of situation. <laughs> when obviously he's, he's he's awake when he should be sleeping. Mm. We all know that when you don't go to bed till three or four in the morning, you're going to feel it the next day. 
So that's so that's wrong, you know. And obviously, having the woman in the room is wrong as well. <coughs> Whether I blame him or not, I'm not sure. The woman wasn't his wife. <laughs> I don't forget no, that. Exactly. <laughs> but, well, what, you know. are you, what are you thinking, Raymond? I mean. Um, do you, uh, do you think you should go to bed at 10 o'clock with your headphones in, you know, not listening to anything? Or um, if um, one of the cast of Geordie Shaw happens to turn up and, um, you know, fancy a, an arm wrestle, um, what's the, what, what, what would you do as a professional footballer? Well, as a happily married man myself, I would say that if it's, uh, if it's your wife who's in the hotel room with you at 3 o'clock in the morning, there isn't a story. And again, if you're not married, then there is someone <laughs> in the hotel room with you. <laughs> If it's not your wife, then you're, gonna be, then you're going to be then you're going to be until three in the morning. I think the the main uh, human interest side of things is that it wasn't his wife, and he and he's married, and uh, a lot of people, especially in the French press, know know mm. his wife, and I think that was more of the angle than the fact that he had a, a lingerie model in there. If there wasn't, then you know he's a professional footballer, and they attract lingerie models. I wouldn't think that'd be a particular story. I think it was the uh, the fact that he's married that was the angle that I looked at it from. Well, I think also not, 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 not the fact he was he was kind of like doing something he shouldn't have been at three in the morning the night yeah. before a match which could have affected his performance yeah but listen a lot of players I mean, don't, can't sleep sometimes you know sometimes you can't yeah. you've got a big match the next day yeah. well not that Palace is a big match yeah. but you know there are various reasons why people suffer insomnia yeah. it happens to be for a carnal reason but I mean but they're in that hotel they're in that hotel so that they can get a good night's rest before the game mm. if one of the players is up at three in the morning with a model doing things he shouldn't be doing, then I think he should be rested or no, but here's fined the, here's or whatever. The, here's the thing. I don't think it's so much that. It, it's that the emotional unrest within his domestic situation, mm. that if you've got a player who his wife is you know, not happy and, and the domestic situation, he's, he's not going to feel good. He's mm. going to be walking around with a cloud over mm. his head because he loves his yeah. wife, obviously, and he's yeah. done it being a silly boy and he's gone and whatever. Yeah. But now he's going, oh, shit, you know, what have I done? And now he's going to feel bad. But I, I do feel that um, Giroud is also, he, he was off the boil a bit anyway, and I think there was a point where something, it, it probably right just to give him a rest anyway, just to, mm. give, just to let him rev up his engines again, yeah. and go, I want to be on that pitch. Because he'd he kind of gone off the boil, I think. Yeah, right, let's great. not forget that Sonogo played really well against Liverpool in the FA Cup. Mm. We'll come back to Sonogo in a minute, but I mean, just thinking about it, I mean, there were those allegations along, uh, sorry, across a selection of tabloids with regards to Arsene Wenger, uh, not just commentating on French football when he was going over to Palace uh, twice a week. Um, so maybe he's being a bit of a hypocrite, but... Oh, having used the word hypocrite, after the Napoli 2-0 win, uh, Jack Wilshire goes clubbing in the West End and gets caught smoking outside. Rather than being dropped or smacked or anything like that, has a little chat with him. Are there double standards in the club? Some people can get away with murders, uh, some can No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think right. Jack Wilshere got away with that. I mean, he, he, he got slammed by the press, slammed by all and sundry for that cigarette. It was, he was clubbing after a match. It wasn't the night before a game. Yeah, mm -hmm. That's the key yeah. difference, I think. Before yeah, it wasn't three in the morning. Lots, you know, lots of players smoke. I know Wenger doesn't like smoking. Lots of players do. But the difference between that Wilshire incident and the Giroud incident is you know, miles apart. Well, also, I mean, to either incident, to be honest with you, Tony Adams and Ray Parler and Paul Merce <laughs> will be just laughing at that. I mean, imagine writing a book about how I had a cigarette outside <laughs> the thing and, yeah. you know, a one-off bit yeah. of sex with someone yeah. oh that's exciting I'm reading Paul Merson's book at How Not To Be A Footballer at the moment yeah, yeah. and I mean you know it's just you can't really it's, it's not like they're in the depths of, of deep addiction there is it I mean you know uh, I don't know I mean hopefully Jack's not sort of too much of a, a wild child mm. and, I mean he was, I think he was with his girlfriend and he was, mm. he was having a fag I mean, uh, no his girlfriend was at home looking after their two children oh so who was it he was with then 
some token yeah, bird in the West End. Yeah, but believe it or not, they do exist. Apparently, she just came up to him when he was outside having the cigarette. Oh, right. Okay. Whether well, you believe that or well, not. Well, of course. Well, I can believe that. Well, of course, it's Jack Wilshire at a club. So, oh, look, it's Jack Wilshire. Let's go and chat him up. I mean, what would you do if you were a bird at a club? Oh, that's a great question. And by the way, what was that girl doing at a hotel room at three in the morning? What, was she not set up by the Irish Sun to go there? Because it was the next day, it was in the Irish Sun, front page, before anything else. And what, 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 did she knock on the door and did she maybe say something like, oh, no one will know, and uh, what's she doing there? What, did he go out and get her, or did she just turn up? It was in the Docklands, my understanding is, she is an accounts executive for JP Morgan, and she was working late. So, well, exactly, and what were they doing, staying in a hotel room in bloody London? Anyway, we're playing Palace. Mind you, you get can a bit your life. Just stay at home you and can get a bus. You, you can bet your life. He's told his, his his missus she might have been in the room at three in the morning, but nothing happened. <laughs> There's no video. Maybe nothing story. did happen. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she was feeling lonely and she needed some counselling, and he was just being a nice guy. That's Ma- maybe, and they had a cup of tea out one of those little hotel kettles. Uh, maybe he just biscuit. maybe he tried to finish over and over again, but instead just held her up and tried to play other people in. Or... Over and over and over again. <sighs> Thank you very much. No, it's never been one of my favourites. Huh? Anyhow, he was replaced for two games by Yaya Sanogo, and we've finally seen him. What are your first impressions, Raymond? Um, why aren't I saying Benter or Podolski was my first impression oh fair point fair point I'm um, a bit harsh I think for those two big games I think if, if the guy comes on in a, in a league game when you're 2 or 3 nil up with 15-20 minutes to go then you know that's exactly the time that you need to be seeing him for the first couple of times but to start him in those two massive games mm. was uh, just very very surprising I mean if we hadn't have won the Liverpool game I would have been surprised if he'd started the Munich game I think the pressure on the manager would have been a bit too much he did okay in the Liverpool game he lasted for about 85 minutes, which is, was pretty good, depending on his, you know, seeing as that he hadn't played all season. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the manager almost seemed reluctant to bring Giroud on. Um, but against Munich, I think uh, he was out of his depth. But I don't think you can blame the kid for that. Mm-hmm. He's just a youngster. Um, and with the, 10 men. Yeah, well. exactly. Um, the manager should have played a more experienced centre forward against Bayern Munich. Yeah, yeah. Steve, um, I don't know about you, but I'm. I'm con- I'm convinced he could be the new Adebayor. The first thing you hear about him is that apparently he turned around and hit our six foot eight inch real real captain, um, Mertesacker, to give him a black eye. So I'm a little bit worried he could be the new Adebayor. You're talking to one of Adebayor's greatest fans here. I should have I given know, this to Bastia, really. I know, <laughs> I know he plays for Spurs and I know he left us in the lurch and I know yeah. he went to Real Madrid. You can't City, score against Norwich. And I know he apparently. did the knee celebration. But I think that's all down to Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger should have nourished and cherished Adebayor when he was at the club. Mm. And he should still be our striker now. We've never had a striker as good as him since. No. Giroud is why, not fit to leave. Why should you nourish Giroud, and cherish a player Giroud, who scores a goal and then goes, oh, I've done my job Giroud now. is not fit to leave. It's Adebayor's boots, I don't think, as far as skill and talent is concerned. And Adebayor's got a work rate if you treat him right. Yeah. If you play him right. Yeah, if you play him right. Um, so, yeah. So... Yeah, what was the question again? Um, like me, are you worried slash delighted that he could be the new Adebayor? Right, okay. So he's not going to be the new Adebayor. He hasn't got Adebayor's touch. He's a good player, works mm. hard, he's tall, he's a bit of a totem pole. Yeah. You know, good player, I don't dislike him. But he's never going to be the new Adebayor. I think or he's got the, a better touch or than you and Elka. Anelka was sleek, slick. He glided past defences. I can't see Sonogo doing that. Did you see Adbio's touch against Norwich for Tottenham yesterday? Was, was it like was it like Brian Talbot? He controlled the ball further than most was, people can yeah, actually it just, pass it. It wasn't that great. Yeah, look at the goals he scored this year, though. He's their top scorer. Yeah, but you know what? I'm oh, sorry. I don't, I don't, if Adbio was that great, he'd be playing for the Arsenal. Mm. He's obviously not that good. 
I mean, it's, it's a bit like the Van Persie. He's, he's got an ego, um, and like Anelka, he's got an ego that's better than his look football. At, look at Arshavin, look at Podolski, look at Adebayor. All good players, all gone by the wayside because of one man, Arsene Wenger. Yeah, but you're just, he you're cannot just nurture a, talent. You're just an a, a anti-Wengerite, aren't you? Look, you see, he can't, we're one point off the top of the league, right, with 11 games to go, Steve. What do you fucking want? I want Arsene Wenger now to maximise his resources, which he should have done in January, and I want him to play Podolski, because he's the best striker we've probably got. I agree with Podolski, should be played a bit more. Why is Podolski not playing more? I think he's outrageous. I think he should be coming on every game, right, yeah. in the last 20 minutes, half an hour. Uh, he's always, he, because when he starts, he doesn't seem, some, for some reason, Podolski doesn't seem to fulfil his potential. But bring him on with half an hour to go, he'll pop one in for you. Yeah. Right, because he's sitting there on the bench going, like being wound up like one of those little I think games, games to goals ratio, he, he, there's no one better than him at the club. Games to goals, what has he got, five, six starts and five goals? He's probably the best finisher we've got at the club. Yeah, yeah but he normally finishes well when he comes on. Would you be yeah. surprised if Wenger sells Podolski in the summer? No, I wouldn't be surprised at all. There's an awful lot of rumours that um, uh, Galatasaray were in for him, Wenger was happy to let him go, but uh, Podolski didn't want to. Well, that speaks volumes for the manager to me. Mm. Why, can't, why can't you incorporate a great player like Podolski into the team? Personally, I think it's because he's a little bit redundant. He's kind of like an old-fashioned number nine, like Fernando Torres. And the way that we play, the, the, the lone centre-forward, you know, you have to play like Giroud with your back to goal. Yeah, you, say that, you say that, when it was one all against West Ham and he put in a cross for one goal and scored another, mm. what's redundant about that? Yeah. I don't see anything. I think what we need is you, a, a number nine who's going to go, right, stop this, back of the net. And when yeah. you look at Oswald's recent form, is mm. Wenger... You know, he's also going down the same route as all those previous players, whereby great player when we signed him, yeah. not so good when we sold him. It could be the curse of the number nine. The curse of Arsene Wenger. The curse of the number nine. Podolski's hoping the manager doesn't sign a new contract, I reckon. You reckon? Well, Podolski can outlast the manager, that's what he's hoping. Do you think? <laughs> Go on, <laughs> Lucas. <laughs> What's the Lucas Podolski song again? Uh, His first Lucas, name? Lucas, Lucas, Podolski, Podolski, Podolski. Uh, I can't remember. His second name's Podolski, Podolski. Something Podolsky. like that. I and mean, that is why we, we love him. We love him. No, we like him. We like him. No, in fact, we love him. We love him. We love him. But we love him because he's called Podolski. Would we not love him if he, called, if he was called Smith? Oh, he reminds me of a. He's, a, he's like a German Paul Merson. Yeah. There's something about him that he's got a good. Uh, he sort of fits in with the fans. He's, he's got, got a kind of down to earthness. Totally. He's a laugh in the. He's good for the dress. Well, if you remember, Oshavin was a bit like that as well. Not when, when he started. No, Oshavin was when really, he started. No, but Oshavin had the sense of humour of a like, you know. No, when he started, Soviet it was like I am Guna. And he was really up oh, no, His, nah, his website really. was an awful lot of fun. He used to invite questions from fans. He gave very, very literal, don't, don't forget, uh, very, very blank answers. They were quite funny. Don't forget, Wenger was the man that left our <laughs> seven out in the 2009 semi final against the evil Chelsea, which we lost. Every fan in that stadium wanted Arshavin mm. to start. Mm. The only person that didn't want him to start was Wenger for some strange reason. Yeah, but I think Arshavin had something mentally. Uh, he, he just wasn't, he wasn't relaxed enough. There was something in there holding him back. And I don't know what it was. And he had these moments of brilliance, right? Mm. But uh, consistently, uh, someone like Podolsky is just seems more relaxed, more kind of comfortable in his own skin as a person. I think mm. ultimately, you know, you've got 11 footballers out there. And this is where Ozil is at the moment. He doesn't look comfortable in his own skin. We need to have players who are out there brimming with confidence, who are, who are up for the, you know, winning games. We need Jurgen Klopp. That's what we need. 
<laughs> well, you know, it's 21st century. We're near Dalston. You need a really good beard. Yeah. Like, that's my understanding. <laughs> um, you, you've mentioned Mesut Ozil a few times. Raymond, um, his performance against Bayern was so poor, let's face it, he didn't have a, a make-believe dead leg. He was dropped for the game against Sunderland. Do you think we look like a better team without our £42.5 million pound man? Uh, I think that's an easy, uh, an easy accusation to make. I think he's a really, really good player. And he's horribly out of form, so I can see the parallels with Ramsey uh, a year or two ago. And I think he'll be back, and he'll be back better, and he'll he'll come back rested. He's been overplayed since he yeah, signed, without a doubt. So he definitely needed a rest, and it took a really poor performance um, and a lot of focus on that for him to get the rest. So maybe there's a silver lining from all of that, and he'll come back. He'll come back a better player. But I think if you're going to pick your best Arsenal team, Ozil is definitely in it for me. Shouldn't Wenger have realised that? Ozil was being overplayed and rested in before yeah, now. Yeah, agreed. But you're just on an anti-Venger rant tonight, so I'm going to ignore <laughs> it. No, 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 not just tonight. No, but that, that <laughs> anti, the anti-Venger rant aside, he ought to have been dropped maybe from one or two of the lighter games beforehand, so that you know. Uh, well, there weren't that. Um, well, what we had Palace, didn't we? Before that, was that? Before? Yeah, but the thing is, we haven't really won a game easily, apart from against Sunderland. We haven't been three 0 up at half time, or three one up with fifteen minutes to go, or four 0 up, mm. where you could take off some of those players who've been overplayed. So, almost by necessity, with a really poor record of scoring goals in the first half that we've had in the league recently, you haven't been able to make changes early, and it's been the standard 70, 70th minute substitution, taking off a winger, and but that's all he, he hasn't really ever going to be been able to change from that. Mm. So the Irony is if Merzer, if Urzel had played on Saturday and we'd have been three 0 up at half time, you'd have been looking for him to come off after after sixty minutes. But yeah. it was actually the other way around. But I think he'll be back and he'll be back better. Well, let's face it, Sunderland are in the relegation plays at the moment. They can't have been that good. I mean, people are very very critical of Urzel at the moment. Um, there's a theory among some people, um, Basti, that Urzel was a panic buy in the summer, uh, and Arsenal are now kind of backtracking, as it were, and this is behind the booking, what? Uh, sorry, the dropping rather than the booking. No, no, I, ju I, ju I just think Ozil needs a break, I, th I, I agree with Raymond, I just think it, it, he's, he's, he's played every game, and uh, he's, he's used to a winter break, and he just, uh, I think he just, you know, a little break, and like with Giroud as well, I think often, you know, play players, players who are running their pants off and working hard, and I do think he's working hard, as mentioned before, you know, he, he, he does run the mileage, and he does a lot of unseen work, and I think he just, and also, he's probably, I don't know, he could be a bit homesick, he could be about all sorts of stuff coming in, and he just ne he just needs to settle down, mm. and maybe he just needs a little break, he'll come back, and um, I think it, he'll come good because he's a, he is a class act, and I think in the summer also, you know, if we do bolster the side up with a couple of world-class players, then, you know, sky's <laughs> the limit. So we can just ease him back don't in for a nice easy stoke away. <laughs> 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 don't bank on that, Bastin. <laughs> Wenger assigned two players in the last three or four transfer windows, two of them on the last day of the window. Yeah, Why he's, is it going to be any different this year? He's not a big buyer, is Why he? Because is Usmanov, and, and Usmanov and David Dean are going to come into the boardroom and they're going to start. Why Dino's going to go you flying know. around the world Wenger, buying players. Wenger will go to QPR, he'll say, how much do you want for Lo Loic Remy? Please. QPR will say 15 million. <laughs> Wenger will say, I'll give you eight. Please, can we not talk about the transfer window in the middle of February? Yeah, that's that's a fair it's bad enough over the summer. We're yeah, one point yeah, off the we top next, and anyway. into the cup quarter final. Stoke away. Well, yeah. look, I mean, let's let's look at the results since our last podcast. We've had five league games, and uh, I've got a relatively disappointing record. We've played five, won two, drawn two, lost one, taking only eight points from those fifteen available, including those, uh, including in those, uh, with two matches in the space of five days, where we lose five-one at Anfield, and then drew nil-nil at home. 
to the worst Manchester United team since about 1990. Um, Basti, are they likely to do any better than when we faced Chelsea and Man City at the end of March? Well, look, if you look at those five games, uh, is Chelsea nil-nil in there as well? Uh, no, uh, Man United nil-nil, Liverpool 5-1, Southampton 2 each, Crystal Palace 2-0 and Sunderland 4 Yeah, Southampton's a disappointment because that's, you know, that's a game that we, we want to be winning. And we that, didn't turn up in the first half. No, well, that's something we've not been doing. Uh, I mean, obviously Liverpool was just... It was just... Uh, the beating. It was just, it, well, it was Anas Horribles in one. We in never turned up in the first half, though, do we, really, under Wenger? Saturday was a bit of an exception. Well, we, 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 we had to learn to do Under Wenger, I think, in, in the, the previous, previous teams, yeah. the best teams, well, the best teams that every, every team has, yeah. is capable of winning a lot of league games before half time. Yeah. At the moment, we don't quite, we're not quite there with this team. Listen, no. if we come out like we did against Bayern Munich, and um, what we need to do is come out like we're playing against Bayern Munich every week. Yeah. Right? And without obviously trying to give away penalties and get sent off. Mm. But, ultimately you know I think sometimes we as my Brazilian girlfriend often says they walk out with their stilettos on mm. you know and if you wear high heels on a grass football pitch you're going to get stuck and they do they walk up and down sometimes they walk around. I mean they, I, they, I saw little signs of it even against Sunderland mm. they're, they're, there they are I thought hello they, they you know, okay they were 3-0 up at the time but I thought oh here we go they got the high heels out the second half they're walking around and yeah, suddenly yeah. Sunderland were attacking and and we, we do have that well, tendency Look, we, we, we could have beaten Sunderland 7-1 or 7-0 on Saturday. Once we got to four, we stopped. We stopped. Well, I but mean, at least we got to four. And I was saying to Terry and Ian when I was watching, I was saying, <coughs> you know, can we now? We scored the first goal. Everyone, the first thing everyone says, look, can we now go 3-0 up? I actually exactly said 3-0 up yeah. at half-time. Hallelujah, we actually scored three goals before half-time. Uh, because normally we'd be 1-0 up until 90 minutes, to, you know, 91 well, minutes. Only, only an Arsenal fan could complain about winning a league match for only 4-1. I know. Yeah, <laughs> only, <laughs> yeah definitely, yeah. But, you know what, the previous six league games, we hadn't scored in the first half at the Emirates. Mm, absolutely. Now, for a team going for the title, I think that's a pretty terrible statistic. I think Although we did win the majority of those games, yeah, we though, did. so we did. you know, it's played over ninety plus minutes. Thing is, though, we, yeah. we can beat bad teams and we can beat mediocre teams. And when yeah. we, but when we play City and Chelsea and even Man United, we can't beat them. No. I mean, so far this season, that's what's happened. Well, that has not changed from previous seasons, has it? We've got we've yeah, got well, Spurs away. Bad teams then as we've well. got Spurs away coming up, Chelsea away coming up, Man City at home coming up. Now, if we're going to win the title, we need to win two of those games. Yeah. I think. Well, it's Spurs and Man City, I reckon. Oh, yeah. Spurs and Chelsea actually. Well, we need Chelsea to do Chelsea City. at the bridge. We owe Mourinho one, don't we? Because you know, I love the way he goes on about all that failure stuff. And then, what was the game he lost immediately afterwards? A cup game against Man City. That's I was, was yeah. 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 So, so failure up yours, Mourinho. I, I know this is a question that David should possibly be asking, but I'm going to assume the mantle of chairperson at the moment. <laughs> if we do not beat Chelsea, um, City, or Spurs in these crucial games coming up. And let's imagine we lose at home to Everton in the in the FA Cup, or even beat Everton and then lose the semi-final. Um, we're assuming we're going to lose to Munich as well. Do you want Wenger to sign a new contract? Well, it's the, well there's a big word. Or is this? Is or is this a big if? Day, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's if you know what if we whatever. Now, yeah, I don't know the future. That's why I'm a football fan. I'm gonna, yeah. You know, you I'm, want... I'm going out there for the next game, which is Stoke away. Is it going to be ten years that? and counting? And Eleven years. Kenny Dalglish famously said, "The only match that matters is the next one." But we've we've been on. He this, obviously didn't say we've been on we this, beat them two nil. We've been on this route for the last seven or eight seasons. Every season is the same. 
We, no, we this is the, a very different we season, the, Steve. We beat the easy teams, we lose to the good teams. Yeah, no, no, but we used to draw or lose. The games we used to draw or lose, we are now winning or at very worst drawing. Yeah, okay. And so we have gone up again. There's okay. no question. I've got to say, okay. Mesut Ozil has right. that un, un, unseen... We're bigger flat-track bullies than we used to be. Yeah, that's it. Nothing yeah. wrong with being a flat-track bully no. and get three points against every team. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. quite like that. But Wasn't it Tony Adams said if you we, do that, then you can... I think Wenger cannot take us up to the level where we can get, at least get a point against Chelsea away and beat Manchester City and occasionally beat Manchester United. I think we should get a new manager. We can beat Chelsea away. Well, I oh, mean, you're right. you mentioned Wenger getting a new agreement, but I mean, he's, he obviously hasn't signed one, even though Gazidis came out the day after and uh, when Wenger said, I don't want to talk about it, Gazidis says, no, he will be remaining. I mean, do we actually think he might be going at the, end, at the end of the season and simply doesn't want to announce it before the campaign is done and dusted? Raymond, your, your initial thought? I have no idea. I'm more interested in what happens on the pitch at the moment. I think all that stuff at the end of the season, all this manager stuff, it's just back page headlines. Put the ball in the net, win some points, win some trophies. That's my focus at the moment. And my message to Steve is, Whoa, Austin Wenger's magic. He wears a magic hat. And when he saw the football league, he says I'm having that. Whoa! Yeah, ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the last time I heard that. Oh well, look. Going back to the pitch, um, we are going to play Everton in the FA Cup quarter final. Three days. The FA Cup quarter final. Uh, that's a Freudian slip, unfortunately. Oh, Let's start again. About you, We're going to be playing Everton in the FA Cup quarter final. Three days before the second leg in Munich. Uh, Basti, in which game should should Wenger play his strongest team? But in which game is he going to play his strongest team? What, Munich or the FA Cup? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, what should he do and what will he do? Oh, God. Oh, ask Steve this one. I don't want to. Oh, he should play his strongest team against Everton. It's obvious. Okay. We're not going to win the Champions League. Okay. If we beat you know, Munich away, it'll be 3 2 or you know, 1 0. It'll be a gallant win like last year. And we'll go out again in the last 16 for the fourth, fifth, sixth consecutive season because we never win the group stage. And we leave ourselves open to getting Real Madrid and Barcelona and Bayern Munich and AC Milan. If Wenger learnt to win the bloody group stage, we wouldn't be in this position. I've lulled anyway, into having a said false that, sense of security. Having said that, after 16 years, he still hasn't learnt to win the group stage, but that's another argument. But having said that, we're going out against Munich, whatever happens. So play your strongest team against Everton. We've still got a chance of winning the cup. Although my belief that we can beat Man City in any, any you know, shape or form is pretty Listen, slim. Steve, yeah. if one team can... I've, I've lulled you into a false sense of security, right? <laughs> yeah. Because if one team can beat Bayern Munich 2-0, right, at yeah. the Allianz Arena, yeah. it's Arsenal. Yeah. Right? Okay, they've proven they can do that already. Did that once? Yeah. Right? We've done it against either. Liverpool when, when Michael Thomas had his moment. George said, you know, George, it was never in any doubt as uh, Peter yeah. Peter would. Right, now if there's one team that can come out with a bit of magic and do this sort of thing, it's Arsenal. And we're, 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 this is the best Arsenal we've seen since 2005, probably, right? Yeah, yeah I'll give you that. And so, and so we, we, look, you, you've got to be optimistic. You've got to say, look, we can have a go at this and play your best team. Why can't we win the Champions League and FA Cup and league treble? Well, last Wednesday night at 7.15, I would have said, yes, we can. Well, we proved against Bayern Munich. Yeah, but it's only one game. It's not. They minutes. used the second half as a training session. Yeah, but they're going to be going back there again. Going, oh, yeah, they're going to be going back there again. Going, oh, well, they did it last time. But really, they're thinking, well, we've won this. Right, all we've got to do is score a goal. Scored there, in thinking. the first minute last year. We, ain't, we won't do that again. Well, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. I would always say for any competition, right? 
Play your strongest team that you have available. That's fit mm. for that that ninety minutes. You, you can always take a player off you're if you're three 0 up, right? But, they, but if you're the, if you're playing a weakened team because you want to win in another competition, that, that you're you're gonna, that's question. a loser mentality. Would you play your strongest team against Everson in the cup? Yes, of course. That's it then. That's the answer, uh, Mr. Hurley. Uh, if I gave you Sophie's <clears throat> choice, what would you go for? I would go for both. Why not? Absolutely. Play them in Everton. We want to stay in the cup. We want to get to Wembley. And then you want to get a good result in Munich. We saw last year what a good result out there did for the rest of the season. Yeah, we went out, but mm. you know, if we went out there with a, with a shadow team and we lost three 0 you know, that could really affect the rest of the season. So yeah. let's do it both. It's the business end of the season. Big players got to be playing every week. They have got to be playing ninety minutes. Let's do it in both games, is what I say. Would you play the same team in both games? Though I would play the strongest team. Yeah, absolutely. Strongest I think both so. Games. Maybe yeah. one or two different. Maybe not quite as attacking. Mm. Uh, you know, in Munich or mm. something like that, just to see how, you know see how the first half goes. Mm. Um, but I would you know I would I would play what you would expect certainly down the down the spine down the middle of the team obviously Chesney can't play out there but other than that um, mm. I would get the, the first choice 11 available on the pitch we've well, got to go games. out to well, win a match only... haven't you and also if you go out to Bayern Munich and say we go out there and get a 2-all draw or beat them 2-1 Right, as you said, you know that's a springboard for the rest of the season. We come back here, we're the team that beat Bayern Munich, or we didn't lose. You know what that does mentally to the players when they're out there playing Chelsea and Man City or whoever. Right, they're going to say, "Well, look, we beat Bayern Munich." It sends a message out. Mm, I get that. I get that. And it worked last year. Going out and it losing three 0 It worked last be, year brillantly. Yeah, exactly. So that's what he's got to go for. But if it happens again this year, it's just Groundhog Day yet again, isn't it? Glorious failure, as Stephen Howard said in the Sun last week. Arsenal are the specialists in failure. No one does failure quite as gloriously as Arsenal. All right, but where were we that when we got knocked out by Munich last season, right? Yeah. Where were we in the league? How many points off the top position? And where did we end up at the end? How many points we up ended up did we catch up? last year? Yeah, but we caught up, didn't we? We, we made did. yeah. So if we, we do the same as we did last year, don't we win the league. But don't bet against us finishing fourth again this year. Well, staying on the pitch for the time being, this is this is juicy. On that bombshell. <laughs> Absolutely, WDO ITN News at the Guna Podcast. Um, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, he seems to have recovered well from his injury. He's uh, a, you know, a lot stronger than he was was beforehand anyway. The big question now, Raymond, is is his best position out wide as the token Theo Walcott replacement or playing in the centre of the park? Right now, I think we need him on the wing, put some pace in the team. I think we really miss Walcott. For all his faults, I think without him there ain't much pace in the team. So if you've got the Ox with as much pace as he's got, I don't think we can afford to put him in the middle at the moment. And we're, we've got quite a few central midfielders. We haven't got many fast wingers. So while Walcott is out for the rest of the season, I think you've got to stick him on the wing, play him high up the pitch, get him on the touchline. Because without him, we really struggle to, te- to stretch teams. It's a fair point. Having said that, I'm one of the only Arsenal fans who absolutely hates Mikel Arteta and can't see him pointing him. Who would I rather have in the centre midfield, uh, bet- choosing between Arteta or Oxley Chamberlain, who did quite well against AC Milan last, uh, sorry, uh, in the Champions League a couple of years ago? Basti, where would you play Oxley Chamberlain? Well, not where Arteta plays. I mean, Arteta's <laughs> playing, playing at the sort of back of midfield. He's, playing one of, he's one of the two, isn't he? But I, I don't actually, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't. I, you no, I think Arteta's you know been an all right player, but I don't see him as the future. And he, he he's would not be, the future. He'd be more one than an all right player. But he'd be one that I would like to see replaced in the summer. To be honest with you, with a, what I would consider a world class player, someone who does get picked. You wouldn't sell him, though, would you? Yeah, of course oh, I'd I wouldn't sell, sell him. him. No, I want to sell him and replace him with a world class player. Or, or you could put him on that, have him as a, a bench guy. Player. Okay, you can have him as a squad player. Back but, to the um, transfer window again. But <laughs> yeah, sorry. But, but uh, as for Oxlade Chamberlain. Um, 
I think that depends on Wenger's got to decide what, once again he can play both mm. so be tactical think about it maybe give him give him a bit of freedom I don't know um, you know, I'm not a football manager but or I know that he can run and he can score goals and he can take players on as well and he runs at players which is sometimes too much when he should be passing he runs at players and mm. runs into a cul-de-sac but that's youth you know he's young and he's, he's got, got to learn that but um, he's certainly refreshing and, and, and when he comes on you know he asks questions of the defence which is so yeah just yeah play him for, you know, for sure you know um, he seems to be full of it at the moment so certainly in Walcott's absence um, and San, San you're on his own there on the right Needs needs someone else a little bit to help him yeah. with with getting the ball across. I've been, been changing on the right all day long because I think we should assign someone to replace Walcott in January. We should assign a pacey right winger to replace him. Thomas Hintz. Well, he was free, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's about Wenger's. So mark. good, he went to Palace. Yeah. Um, but no, play Chamberlain there. He's the only one that can do it. Or Gnabry. Mm. Play either of those there because we need that pace. Mm. Well, another guy who's been filling in on the right wing, even though he's been doing better in the middle this season, is Aaron Ramsey. I mean, do we think he's actually going to return from his injury in, in time to help Arsenal's title push, or have we lost face in the, in the club's medical team where he's going to be back next week? And let's face it, it's August if we're lucky. Well, three weeks is always three months, isn't it? We're Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Vengaritis is it? The winning this current injury, how long is it now? 18 months? Oh, I'm not counting. sure. And that was supposed to be like. Three months, wasn't it? I think it was um, he went off in the early stage of a Champions League game last year yeah. and we've not seen him since and apparently this Gundogan that we're supposed to be interested in at Dortmund yeah, oh Ilkay Dung- uh, D- Dung- that's it. great player fantastic player apparently he's got an injury record the same as the Arby's so don't bet against Arsenal signing him in, in the summer <laughs> I think there's one little point is with, with, with a player like <clears throat> Giroud up front on his own mm. you've got to have either Oxlade Chamberlain or um, Podolski like very attacking midfielders midfielders who can score goals and who aren't scared to, to run up and, and overtake Podolski uh, 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 Giroud because Giroud holds the ball up Alan Smith a lot you know, mm-hmm. holds it up he can lay it off he can, he can, a, a lot of the stuff he does is making goals as well as scoring them so I think it's important that someone over, there's, there's more overlapping happening because often we're, we're, we're parked outside the area and it doesn't look like we're, someone's making a piercing run so in that sense yes mm. uh, and also um, Ramsey was doing that as well when, mm. you know, and mm. if he can come back and have an outro like he had an intro to the season yeah. oh, then, well, then we're laughing Expectations will be scoring a winner against City in the semi final. Brilliant, mind you, though, you know what we're going to get. get, Knowing us, we'll beat City in the semi final, we'll get someone just like Birmingham in the final and blow it again. Oh, that point, Chesney and uh, Koscielny go into each other's heads and feet. Can you believe that? Sadly, I, I, I no, can't. No, no, I no, we're a better team now. We're a better team now. We're more gelled, we're more mature. We've got, we've got, we've got a little more than we had back then. And I think I think if we can get to the final and Arsenal whole well, city, imagine that. Well, we got. I tell you what, though, Everton is not is is not a war. You know, no, uh, to be honest not. with you, I'm more worried about Everton than who who, we, who whoever yeah. we were to maybe yeah. get in the final. Mm. Absolutely, Steve. How negative would you be tonight if we were already out of all the cups and we were down in the I'm not negative at all. I'm really I'm really positive. I just think we could do better if Arsene Wenger wasn't our manager. And who said red wine isn't a depressant? <laughs> I'm the most positive fan going. I love watching Arsenal. I love the team. I love seeing them win all the time. I just don't think Wenger, you know, wants to win things. He well, that's to make because money. David Seaman's no Wenger longer wants in the to, team. Wenger wants when it was David Seaman, Wenger, Wenger was on, all right. Wenger 
and Kroenke want to make money for the club. Yes. They want the club to be the richest club in the world with no trophies. Yeah. I want the club to be the best club in the world with trophies. And at the moment, Wenger and Kroenke are making us play and try and win trophies with one hand behind our back. And, to, and I'll always criticise Wenger well, and Kroenke agree, yeah, yeah. until that situation changes. Oh well, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I mean, I much prefer to see David Dean back in the in the steering seat. Yeah. I mean, I think if Wenger and Kroenke gave us the best chance to win trophies by spending the resources, you know, by looking at the managerial options, maybe, you know, by trying to compete with Bayern Munich and Real Madrid and Chelsea and Man City, mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant. But I don't think we're trying to compete. We're just trying to make money. Mm. Uh, well, that's I mean that's the whole Gazidis Kroenke ethic, isn't it? I mean, uh, obviously they they are seeing it as a business yeah. as much as they are, or if not more, than a football club. And as fans, and Wenger is that's compliant. Not what we want to Wenger see. is compliant with the company policy. Well, he's that doing the best money. he can with what's with what what he's given. Um, but yeah, yeah. Well, no, I you know I do agree with you. But let me turn that one around and say just just say on the off chance, right? Like, it's not a million to one. It might be five to one. Arsenal win the league this season, or yeah. win the FA Cup. Yeah. Would you eat your shirt and say, oh, no, "Thank you, Monsieur Wenger"? There wouldn't be any Trippier, chance to eat. Would you go and congratulate Mister Wenger? I would say we won the league this year. We won the cup this year, despite. Oh, <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You'd be rolling despite on. Despite you'd, you'd be in some pub, rolling on your back on a pool table, going, "Come on, he's done us." Well, I won't be celebrating because of Wenger. It'd be despite of Wenger. What, the manager you know, who's just wanted to Yeah, how many fans don't think like me? How <laughs> many fans I speak to think like me? Oh. David does. Uh, I do, actually. I, I, I personally do think Wenger's taken it as far as he can. However, if we somehow do the double this year, I'll happily stand corrected. And if he yeah. signed a three-year extension, I wouldn't be too unhappy Okay, so it. you can eat yeah. Steve's shirt and eat and eat yours. And yeah. we can do that live yeah. on this podcast. Uh, okay. I tell and you can shave your moustaches as well, just like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could work, actually. No, we're running out of time, but moving off the pitch very, very quickly. Um, Raymond, what do you fancy talking about? Uh, Puma or our complete fuck-up in the January transfer window? And who the hell is Kim Kallstrom? Oh, well, I'm not a 12-year-old boy, so I couldn't care less about Puma. Um, <laughs> so, transfer window, again, back to what I said earlier. Mm. Um, but it was mismanaged. I don't think anyone can, can deny that. You know, we knew what we needed. We didn't get it. We got ourselves another midfielder and an injured midfielder at that. So... There's a lot of negatives there, but I'm trying to keep it tight and bright. Seeing as I'm sitting next to the Highbury Spire and all he wants to do is moan, even though we're a point off the top and still in the FA Cup. Yeah. We're going to um, finish fourth, though. I think it's a shame. There was a chance there to really consolidate and, and, and spend some money. So I do see Steve's point on that. I think everybody sees that point. But this is what we've got now to the end of the season, so we've just got to get on with it. Mm-hmm. And we need some positive support for the team. Will, will you forgive uh, Will you forgive Arsene and Ivan and Dick Law if uh, Kim Kallstrom does a Michael Thomas in the Norwich game at the end of the season, Basti? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I, he's just such an unknown quantity. I mean, we might as well be talking about Paul Lydersen uh, on a motorway. I don't think Wenger took money himself to sign the player. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, uh, I'd I, I rather talk about what's on the pitch as well. And I, I mean, you know, we've got a lot of strengths and a lot of few weaknesses. Mm. I think you know one what uh, weaknesses. I, I think you know if I look at someone like Santi Cazorla, I think sometimes he's he's very talented on the ball. He's got great touch. He's got, uh, and, but he's very much one of these little Spanish players who sort of seems to run around in circles with himself. And I've got the ball. I've got the ball. Whoops! I haven't got the ball. Rather than just put a simple pass. Would you, yeah. would you have taken him off last week against Munich when we went down to ten men? 
Um, or would you have taken someone else off? Well, if someone who? Well, probably... Well, Ozil, well, surely, with, with hindsight, but I think... Yeah, yeah. it's that, easy so. with hindsight but, to you say. Know, Ozil was the big player, and I don't think really... At, at that point, nobody batted an eyelid because all went off, and it's only the next mm. day when it became apparent what happened to Ozil's performance after missing the pen, that people started to question the substitute. So I think it's just a bit of... Um, after the horse bolted, people are always more wise after the event. So. Well, I'd have taken mm. off. I'd have taken off um, a Sonogo, who's com- com- you know, just because he's complete. You know, he's, he's a kid. He's not. He's not ready for that level. Yeah. And then you've got Bayern Munich with ten men, and you expect Sonogo to do. So what's he going to do? You could have played so with the fake number nine, on, couldn't you? Just bring on Podolski. Then, and, and, and at least he's got experience. Yeah. And might just put in that ball or whatever, some little breakaway. Uh, uh, um, not that he's a great tackler back necessarily. In fact, it gives away penalties like. Yeah. Like Steve gives away. Um, Did it against Liverpool in the cup, didn't it? <laughs> Compliments to <laughs> yeah. Wenger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great analogy. <laughs> I've got nothing against Arsenal. Thing. I just think we could do better. What then? What? Okay. Klopp. Where? Who? Klopp. 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 Yeah, Jens Klopp. I mean, I mean, David, David alluded to it earlier. He's given up the title in Germany. He's realised by Hamburg so beat far Dortmund. Ahead. Hamburg were bottom of the league. Beat Dortmund. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. After, how much after that, Klopp gave the league up. How much is how much is Klopp on? Five million a year, six million a year, whatever. Wenger is 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 arming and arming, arming over signing a new contract worth eight million a year. We could give half that to Klopp, and he'd be earning more money than he is now. Let's talk about in the summer. Absolutely. I say Steve Ashford for Arsenal manager. (laughs) Well. I think he's slightly underqualified. Well, I would certainly give Pelowski a few more starts. <laughs> yeah, well, why not? Yeah. Uh, right, I'm going to call our editor, uh, Kevin Forward, as we've had an email in. That's right, someone sent us an email. Ooh, uh, regarding, our, regarding our last podcast. Kevin, I shall ha- hand over to you. Yes, um, in the last podcast, we, um, we had um, Matthew Bazell, author of uh, Theatre of Silence, and um, we thought he'd be well informed to... Um, inform us about the Coventry fans protest well um, we had an email from Vincent Cummins and he writes Coventry fans protested because they are playing their home games in Northampton I cringed when I heard the podcast unless the podcasters research and have a knowledge of a topic don't touch it an apology wouldn't go amiss either so just to explain our guest panellist Matthew um, told us that the um, Coventry fans, when they came to Arsenal, were protesting about the club not getting income from ticket sales as this money goes to shareholders. And in fact, uh, this wasn't the case, but we, you know, we thought he might know. Um, Are you sending him to Coventry? Well, that's good, Basti. But uh, the the question was sprung on him, and we thought he was uh, a relevant authority. But uh, we we assumed wrongly he would be familiar with what the uh, Coventry fans' issues were. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. So, our apologies for his explanation not being accurate. We did actually ask him before the recording whether he knew about it, and he said he did. So, he just got that what one wrong. What were they protesting about? Uh, they're playing in Northampton, yeah. 35 miles away from uh, Coventry. <clears throat> At the risk of upsetting Coventry fans listening to the Google podcast. No, this was an Arsenal fan that wrote it. Oh, it was, right. Yeah, well, it's just saying we were misinformed. Yeah, oh, I right. think it's... But it's only about Coventry, so... Are we yeah, but there was, there was quite a lot of focus <laughs> on that. Red Action did actually uh, talk quite closely to some Coventry fans just because they were trying to coordinate their protest at the televised TV mm. uh, cup game just to bring it some uh, in, into the, the, national, uh, the national press. Um, and basically, they are owned by a company called Sisu who are... You know, basically asset stripping as much as they can and moving the team out of Coventry because they don't want to pay the rent 
on a five or six year old stadium and making all those commentary fans travel 35 miles down the road to Northampton and basically the whole protest is about when commentary are going to go and play in commentary again. Well, uh, well I think that rent is about a million a year isn't it? Even for a first division team surely they can afford that. I mean I, I, I do feel for those commentary fans terribly having to go all the way to Northampton you know, and I, I, any, like any team whose who's, who's club is being asset stripped, I think it's awful, horrendous. Mm. So I have every sympathy for the Coventry fans. Almost time to wrap up, unfortunately. Before we do, a few more words from Kevin about the current issue of the Guna. Yes, indeed. It's uh, been on sale for a couple of games. It's still going to be on sale uh, for the Everton FA Cup quarter final. And um, our special feature this issue is called Moments of Endearment, where our contributors write about uh, an incident which made a particular player appeal greatly to them. So, for example, I have written about uh, Steve Williams uh, facing the uh, chicken run when they invaded the pitch at Apton Park and uh, staying his ground. It was a great moment. Uh, there's also an interview with Kenny Sampson, a piece on the case for the return of terracing, um, article on Per Mertesacker's influence on the team, an explanation as to why certain fans do leave the game early and uh, we have uh, uh, someone asking will social networking get rid of the need for ticket touts so uh, plenty of reading in there much more including column by uh, our friend across the table the Highbury Spy and plenty more of the usual favourites so please help us continue by paying £2.50 for the issue if you're going to the Everton game and what? as a new regular feature, we've got a song at the end of each Guna podcast, haven't we, Steve? We have indeed. We're going to do. We all we will follow the Arsenal, aren't we? Are we? Yeah. Are we? we will follow the Arsenal under Man City and Leicester. We will follow the Arsenal onto victory. Well, together now. Finally, the usual reminder that if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast, our address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. And with that, it's goodbye from Steve. Goodbye. And may I just say that the atmosphere against Liverpool in the FA Cup was the best atmosphere ever at the Emirates. Uh, I'd like to thank Raymond for what he did at the Bayern Munich game. Thank you. Thanks to everyone who got involved, including the guys from the Guna who promoted it uh, long and hard for us. And Mustafa. I would like to say I do not know who the Cypress spy is or what he does for a living, but the marriage is out of the question, and uh, I hope you are drop dead, Mr. Ashford. Talk to me after the game. Uh, OK. We'll be back at the end of March with another podcast. Until then, this is your host, David Udo, saying goodbye and thank you for listening. La-di-da-di-da, la-di-da-di-dee, all good friends and jolly good company. Way!